the record, right? Cheers. Cheers. Good to see you, Trey. Good to hang out. Yeah, Episode 15 of Off the Record with Nick and Trey. Um, here we are. You know, last week we talked about uh, uh, riding the wave or catching the wave and like people getting, trying to get on the front of hype and how that's not totally. Or rely on hype as their whole game. Yeah. I guess. It's a game you can't win. Yeah. It's a game you can't continue to win. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this week we're in a new week, episode 15, 15 weeks in what a commitment this has been. That's been so sweet and rad. Um, a couple days ago, yesterday, uh, Mars, the Mars, uh, whatever it's called, landed insight insight landed. Did you get to watch any of that? I watched a highlight reel of the dudes in the computer room and then like, they're just wait yeah what's weird about that whole thing is there's like a delay eight minutes so they were tracking in real time but it wasn't in real time they were like just picking up signals from eight minutes ago when it landed which which is crazy because they're tracking it real time as it gets to them yeah and because they want to know the second they can that it might have failed eight minutes ago yeah <laughs> so like, you're just like reading the you're reading the data and then like once it's eight minutes, like you're like, well, here we go. It's either it either crashed horribly, and we'll find out in eight minutes. Yeah, we'll just keep tracking this, I guess. What's crazy too is that like while it's in, while it was coming through the atmosphere, that's the time that it was. While we knew it, while we got the data from it being in the atmosphere, that's when they the craft itself. Had already had, already had, la- had just landed or something and, and been like okay yeah thumbs up <laughs> okay yeah, it's kind of crazy. What's cool about this uh, this particular at be, going to that NASA event taught me a lot about a lot of things. And what's cool about this landing is that they sent two um, cube sats, which are tiny cube satellites, and they launched these two cube sats into the atmosphere so when when uh of mars so when the the insight is actually going down it's shooting data not to us it's shooting it to the to the cubesats and then those are shooting it to us so it actually like it brought along a couple pals to chat help, with to, yeah yeah to help broadcast the message which i thought was really crazy i didn't really know about cubesats until i went to the nasa event and then what, the, what I learned is that when they're shooting off a big science satellite like that, the ISAT-2, um, what they'll do is since they have so much cargo space, like the, the satellite's in there really tight and well, and they have all this other cargo space. So what they'll do is they'll, they'll this is kind of fucked up maybe, but they'll sell space to usually to universities so universities can launch their own satellites yeah. to do testing in, of whatever kind they want. And they, what they launch is these tiny cube satellite, CubeSats, that are, that are, I don't even know what they do or look like, but they, you can do whatever tests you want with them. Yeah. And so then they, I thought that was cool when I was there. And then to hear that they use those same types of CubeSats to, to relay the data from the insight. I thought that was really dope. That is cool. Um, I'm actually really, yeah. I'm interested in the, this one because, you know, the Rover was a thing and that was really exciting. Cause it was like a little robot, you know, trekking along yeah. on the surface. This one is like, I guess it's, um, detecting it's, it's meant to read data, um, from like sonar to get a better understanding of, like Mars's core and like mantle structure. So it's like, I think it's station, it's stationary. Maybe it's not well, stationary, well, no. So what they're going to do is they're drilling. This one is drilling 16 feet down yeah. and dropping the son the sonar radar, whatever thing. So it can, it, and it's actually the, the point of it from what I get, what I gathered was that they want to know the temperature. Yeah. So they can, understand based on the size of mars the way that the core has has reacted since it's like earth's core yeah 
um, and cool the difference. Yeah, exactly. And then then they also have a uh, uh, um, what's the earthquake sensor? Seis- seismograph. Seismograph. Is that what it is? Seismograph. Yeah. yeah. So they have one that can. And I was watching the interviews with the guys during the video. I watched it after, like an hour after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were saying that the seismograph can, the Richter Richter scale, it's mm-hmm. like based on the Richter scale or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it can measure shifts down to a fraction of the width of an atom. That's so stupid. <laughs> and the guys That's on so the screen, they're like, is that real? Is that true? And the guy that was talking is like, Actually, it's more accurate than that. <laughs> <laughs> that he probably was... had such a big boner. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like and they literally were like, yeah, thanks to this person, it has actually been testing better than that. <laughs> and think about that dude, whoever it was. Like, yeah, that was mind-blowing in real time. It's pretty rad. And again, the, the coolest thing about all of that is that it is just a group of dudes. Dudes and, and dames. Guys and gals, like it's literally just a, it's like a small company, like a startup. Yeah, pretty much. And they, and they've been working on this product for eight, like ten or eight years or something, and finally it's here. And it, and they're crossing their fingers that launch day, figuratively and literally for them, like doesn't crash and burn. Yeah. And and I don't know. There's something like. There's just so much on the line, maybe. Yeah, it's like there's a lot of engineering that goes into that whole project that it's like having it pay off and like actually be successful is a huge accomplishment, like probably such a huge relief for those people. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about how how much of a bummer. Uh, I think a lot of us feel like our day-to-day lives and jobs at some point, you're like, what am I doing? Does this even matter? Yeah. Okay. Now think about working on this insight for eight or ten years and thinking, this matters. It's probably not and even the same group of people. Yeah, it, it, it does shift, but it, think about that. Ten years working on it. And it, the, the main director was, uh, he was also the director for the Mars rover. And so this is like a big, the successful missions mean a lot. Yeah. They showed a video of them, like him and the team, like crying at the rover because it's that's yeah. serious, man. But so think about that. You're eight years and you're like, this matters. And then it launches and it gets there and it just crashes. It explodes. And you're like, nothing matters. <laughs> I hate that. Like, what is life? I just wasted a, a, a tenth of my life for something that is done. Yeah. It's over. Probably getting slightly underpaid. Yeah. Because and all the government. glory goes to the next team that picks up this project and actually does it successfully. They just do the same project again, but after they fix they've gotten one. all the funding and they've gone through all the red tape again <laughs> yeah. for eight years, <laughs> it just sounds like uh, a pain. So, what do you? The next twenty twenty is that a lander? A, or what are they doing in twenty twenty? There's another Mars project, Mars twenty twenty. Ro- oh, is it rover. It's another rover. Another rover. We got a photo. We got a photo of him. He took a selfie. Looks pretty good. Hello. He kind of looks like Short Circuit. Yeah, Johnny Five. Johnny Five. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Except he's got. A, he's. He looks kind of like a, a, cra- a crab. A uh, what's the hermit crab with one big claw? He probably. This is one tiny claw and one big claw. Yeah, a little bit. Man, that's so. Functional. Yeah. Wasn't there talk about it being Human Mission 2020? I don't know. I think <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's Elon Musk's goal or something. Whatever. Uh, but I was. I'm kind of curious how many, uh, like in our day to day jobs, like the ones that that we have resented in the past for feeling pointless and useless. Um, when we're in those jobs, there's usually a lot of people and a lot of time that we're like, it's just wasted, right? Yeah. I wonder if there are many people on the the team for the insight that weren't really doing anything. Is that? Do you think that's? There's got to be like corporate politics 
there. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure there's definitely stuff that they did that they maybe didn't need to do. I did something like that today. I I uh well, we can get into that in a sec. But I my point is that I I feel like there's probably a lot of steps that they took that maybe turned out not to be needed or some redundancy. Yeah, redundancy or like, you know, you're on a project and you have to do a whole thing over again. And it was like a bunch of wasted time. There's always wasted time. But I think when you're doing something of that caliber, you're <laughs> launching things into freaking space to go be on a different planet. Like, if it works out and it pays off, like, I, th- I feel like all that stuff is worth it. You know, like, this, if yeah. all you have to show for it is like, oh, uh, this 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 thing is different now just because I put work into it. or what, I, I think know. if your resume has... NASA's Mars Insight on it, you're going to do just fine in your field, in that field. (laughs) I do think that this dude looks like a a deconstructed washing machine or or not even a washing machine. It looks like a a PC tower that was torn up, an old one, torn apart, put back together into an art piece. With a camera on it. And uh, And some pipes. Is the head thing the camera? I don't know. That thing looks like a... I don't think it has a head. That is deaf. That is a head. That's okay. the, look at him. He's got a little yellow What's eye. What's this? Uh, this is like a... like a, a. It's his crab claw. It's crab claw. He's got an outstretched arm. Sample collector. <laughs> yes. Stool samples. Yep. Martian stool samples. I wonder if... I think that the, the this type of because they're solar powered, right? They have to be. So I think that's like got to be a a feat of engineering to have a craft. The only Earth uh, probe on a planet is just this solar powered little dude. Yeah, doesn't need any fossil fuels. Just freaking shell crow soaking up the sun over there. <laughs> Telling everyone <laughs> to lighten up. So, on to what I th- have been thinking about, which is last week we, talk, we talked a bit about abundance um, and then Thanksgiving and the um, kind of how s- a little nauseating it is to be in America during Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the whole holidays. Actually, America in general right now. It's kind of nauseating. Um, people getting tear gassed at the border and all sorts of bullshit. So uh, the concept of abundance and and in a positive way is really great. And the way to live an abundant life when where in which you are not you're not you don't need excess because the life is is the abundance. The work in all the work life balance is perfectly balanced to where you're not being sucked into work or you're not, uh, you know, it, it's just a perfect balance. And, that, and I think that in, in my mind and in the uh, this book I was reading called The Art of Nonconformity, which is really dope, and you all should read it. Uh, audio, audio book is what I listen to. Audible, sponsored by Audible. <laughs> getting all the hits <laughs> I'm gonna I'm just call them out until somebody gives us money uh, yeah next we'll we'll mention Quip later too yeah that's the hot new sponsor as well we'll get there um but in that book they, he talks about uh he talks about living an, an abundant a life of abundance which would in a positive way and then uh we kind of so that's last week we were talking about Thanksgiving Black Friday happened Thanksgiving happened actually after we talked and um, there was people going to Black Friday things running people over again there were shootings on Thanksgiving it's all fucked up yeah Um, that's not the life that I'm promoting Uh, but it's easy during the holidays to want a ton of shit and as musicians, it's easy for us all the time to want new gear Be- or, or any creatives like camera. The photographers want new lenses or new filters or new whatever. And f- designers want new Wacom tablets and 
developers want new calculators or whatever the fuck you guys like. It doesn't matter. Um, and the, the, the concept of, uh, of abundance in, in this book, I think in this, in this way, uh, or in this context talks about having what you need that makes you fulfill, that you find yourself fulfilled. And, and so uh, in music, if we, uh, me and Trey have been through, um, some stages of our creative process where we, we get in modes of collection and it happens a lot with plugins and with samples for us because we're really fairly mobile in the way that we produce music. Um, and for other people, for friends of ours, uh, like for Brian, Brian Brunt, our talented, super talented producer, guitarist, sing, fucking singer and incredible dude uh, in Sucker for Lights and in several other bands. Uh, for a while, he had a bunch of guitars and dope pedals and a whole pedal board. Yeah, this. Yeah, he had a ton of gr- epic stuff. Uh, but for for us, it's always pl- plugins or samples or MIDI controllers yeah. or something. Um, and it, and what at what point, Trey? I'm asking you. Do you think that it goes from uh, gathering tools to to uh, you're then stifled by the amount of options you have to where you can't you can't produce? Because I think that that's a challenge that that has happened to me. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, you feel the same. Well, what you what you were saying about how like most of the stuff we get is like electronic so if you're working on something you're like oh it'd be really cool to have this on this song this like specific sound or whatever you don't have anything that sounds like that so you go and seek out like oh i wonder if there's any sam- like free sample packs or something that i can yeah. or some some kind of plugin that does what i what i need or vengeance sound has a new pack yeah that we can Pay and download. Yeah, so you just kind of like you find you find stuff and you col- you collect it for specific purposes, but then you just have a bajillion samples in your library because you downloaded a whole pack. Yeah, for one, like maybe one or two sounds that you that you were looking for, but now your library is growing exponentially totally. because every one thing that you need, you get twenty more things or. Th- 500 more things depending on what you find so it's like you're you're just like building up a stockpile of stuff that you will probably never use but you have to sift through to find what you want but we get excited about the options of like well i might use this i don't know like maybe i could like i'll go through the freaking samples or like synth presets or whatever and like I'm looking for something, but I'll stop on something. I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. I could I could use that for something else. Yeah, I'll come back to that. I literally can't think of one single thing that I've had that conversation with myself about. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I I might find it someday. Like, yeah. find something just, that I thought was cool. If you don't save it right then and there with like you'll something you'll recognize, it. even yep. the shit that we make like custom or whatever yeah. we can't even find because we put a title on it that's really like spur of the moment weird i, I, I we feel like we name them fairly accurately of where our mindset well, is we've we've established a naming scheme yeah. that works but prior to that there's stuff that we've made that we probably will never find again <laughs> because it's just like something random we'll never find it uh yeah and I think that the, the the bigger challenge is that there's a when you find one pack that you think is going to be good, what because those packs are so big, some of them are like 500 gigs yeah. or something insane. Uh, while that's downloading, you might as well poke around for some others, right? And you got the dopamine hit from getting that one. Mm-hmm. You're like, that felt great. I'm. I technically am still on the market because I, ha- I haven't gotten the sound yeah. I want. I wonder what else is out <laughs> yeah, there. Exactly. So then you kind of cruise through all these other sounds and then you find some others. Then you're, then you've got not one, but you've got five new libraries that yeah. you'll 
never get through. And then all of a sudden you have like, I have a hard drive that has hundreds of gigs of samples. And I, it's like, we, we go on there and we go to the same folder every time because we know what, what works with our stuff. Yeah. And so it's like, it's almost addictive to search, but. And collect. And collect. And the collection is what you're addicted to in the yeah. moment because it's a slippery slope. You start down that road, you start looking at guitars, you get a dope guitar and you get your your whatever the hell jazz master is that what's called something like that yeah. or the guitars what are, I don't know what guitars are called That's and, then, and then you're like well shit I want a new a new freaking Telecaster too and those are pretty cheap and so they, I'll just get both yeah and then you're like well now I need more pedals I think new? pedals is the rabbit hole that guitarists fall, fall into because they'll usually have a like a really nice guitar. Sure, or two. Like, yeah. oh, well, I need a delay pedal. Oh, what's this? A chorus pedal? I need, oh. I need an original memory, man. I need, I need, a, a, I need one that makes it sound like a synthesizer because yeah. I'm too broke to buy a synthesizer. Because <laughs> I spent all my money on pedals. <laughs> I, need, I need a tube that goes in my mouth to make it sound like my guitar's talking. <laughs> yeah, I do like those. I, <laughs> I would buy one. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to look for man. them because that's the, that'll be the beginning of my slippery slopes. Uh, <laughs> But the, this whole conversation is about like abundance. Like having all that stuff doesn't mean that you are you are living a life of abundance as a creator. It means that getting all that stuff means that you have the capacity financially to hopefully to buy them and yeah. and obtain them. However, you may do that, but it doesn't it, it doesn't further your creation until you start doing something with it. And in some cases it can um it can stifle your creation because you get stuck like um digging through your collection all the, all the shit you have yeah. looking for something and you can't find it because there's a billion things. Well, you, now you're managing a collection. Yeah. A, a, re, a full collection, not just a... And then you spend all your time organizing it so that you can find what you're looking for. <laughs> and that takes a week. Yeah. Or something. Like, yeah, that's... You, you've you've set up hurdles between you and this... All you were trying to do was to find, like, a freaking vocal chop for for a reggaeton beat. And, and you then now, you, now, you've, now you're managing <laughs> a, a, a whole hard drive of... of samples that you don't know you've forgotten the purpose yeah you've lost track and it, the the point is is that what we've learned what we've learned even recently not even this is like a new concept that we've been trying to nail down is there's a lot of stuff you can do without having to get something you just have to learn how to do it an example we have recently been struggling to find really good um like risers and like impact impact samples that sound like what's appropriate for specific songs exactly what we need yeah so what you could do is you could grab a sample uh, like just an audio sample uh, but it's too loud so you have to like modify the sample to be a little bit less sharp Cut it just a little bit, fade it a little bit. You're doing all this work to an audio file just to get it to sound exactly how you need it to sound. But what you could do is, and this is what we have done recently, is use a synth, simple noise, and um, use the built-in filter and, and, and make it do what you want at the volume you want for the length that you want from the beginning Mm -hmm. and then save that. And you can just use that anytime you need it. Save it as a synth preset. Yeah. Cause then name it the, where you can find it. Name it. Well, but we've, we've used that like three or four times now for different sounds. And it's, it's a simple, like not too loud, not too crazy. That's the problem with these sample packs sometimes is they're they're it's it's a team of people that are just banging on their fucking whatevers yeah they're like that sounds dope put that in the pile (laughs) 
Put that in the pack. Add it, put add that in the, the library. Pile. It's like they'll they'll find a use for that. But if you have something specific in mind, sometimes it might be better just to learn how to make it instead of trying to find the perfect sound. Yeah. And we have only just kind of scratched the surface of, of that concept of actually just learning how to make what we need instead of having to look for somebody that made it for us. Totally. And I think that that's, it, it leads to a, to the deeper, the deeper, uh, statement is that, that your stock uh, audio application has enough power to do everything you need. Yeah. You don't need any plugins. You you can do you can make almost any sound just with the stock synths and the stock samples. Ableton, Logic, Fruity Loops, freaking whatever the hell else you're using. What else is <laughs> there's some other ones. Uh whatever. It doesn't matter. All of those have like all this the synths that are built in have a, so much power that you can use them to, to do anything. Yeah. And <clears throat> it's it's uh it's interesting we're talking about this because I recently was watching there's this tutorial guy on YouTube that shows how to make how to re- replicate pop songs in stock logic synths. Yeah. And so he was doing like, he did a Bruno Mars track. He's like, cool. Yeah. This, this track in Bruno Mars stuff is so there's tons of live stuff. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. I have to assume maybe I'm wrong, but he recreates the song, the, the key parts of the song in logic using alchemy and like ES2 and well, what you know, simple, simple, and their drum yeah. designer, yeah, whatever that is, it's it's so simple. And he it, he plays it and he mixes it just a little bit, not too much, and it's just like popping Bruno Mars. Yeah, it blows my mind. Uh, that, that learning how to do that is more valuable than finding it somewhere. You know totally, I mean? like because you could like if if you get used to doing that kind of production where it's like, I need it to sound this way. So I'll just make it sound that way. Yeah. You can use anything to do that. Cause as long as you understand the concepts behind why it sounds that way, then you can do it. You can make anything sound like anything. Yeah. And, and a lot of it is, I, I think a lot of this guy's process is searching through the presets of the stock sense to find the right starting point. Yeah. And, and, or you could, I mean, I think you can just start in alchemy and reset to basics or take the basic stuff and do shift it to whatever you want. You just have to understand synthesis a little bit. Yeah. Like we're not synthesis pros, no, but we can take a pre, a a preset and manipulate it to be what we want. Yeah. Um, and I'm proud of that. Me too. I and I, I'd even go as far as say like if we conceptualized a sound, we'd be able to build it from scratch. Sure, but it would you know it takes some t- tinkering. But we wouldn't even need to start with a preset. Totally, and that I. Think but sometimes it's hard to come up with that concept. Like but, I, I, I can't think very easily of like a, the perfect synth that I'm, you know. Yeah. You sort of scroll through and you're like, that one sounds cool. I can make it better though. And that's sometimes all you need. Yeah. That's what's great is that if you develop your understanding of your audio platform and you develop your taste, your taste is more, and your taste is the most important thing. Because if you have bad taste, then your music's just going to suck. Yeah. No matter what you make it on. You could play guitar and it would still sound like shit because... You just have bad taste. And that's okay because we all start with bad taste. Generally. Yeah. Um, And then the more you listen to music, the more you produce music, the more you write music, the better your taste gets. And then is that Ira Glass that has that whole talk on how your 
because you start listening and looking and experiencing the world before you start creating, your taste will usually always be further along than your ability to create. And so that's another challenge that, that uh, you have to deal with is that you're going to be chasing your taste and never reaching it. Yeah. But the goal is to close the gap to, to boost your skill or, or develop your skill enough to where you're pretty close to where your, your taste is. But, but it's also like, it's so ongoing that if your taste starts to stagnate, then are you being just being (laughs) complacent in your experience of the world? And we might, and that very well might be true because when you're young, you're listening to music from all, you're so hungry for all that stuff. And you're looking at when you, if you're a young artist, you're looking at everything, you're going to all these shows. It's just exhausting. Once you get older, it's like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. But even us, it's like, I love great music. I just don't hunt for it the way we did 10 years ago. Yeah. It's some of the music 10 years ago that we used to be really into. You listen to it now and you're like, yeah, it's not, that's, that's not, that's not how I remember it. No, totally. (laughs) It hasn't aged well. No. Um, but neither have we. So, you know, we were (laughs) aging poorly. Uh, yeah. But so, so like, as you get older, you're, I think that you're, your attention to expanding your taste or developing, continually developing your taste slows down. Yeah. And maybe because it's like, I mean, maybe it is like an experience thing. It's like, uh, we hear new music that is radically fresh, I'll say, and different. Yeah. And it, and we can, we can categorize it very easily. It's not a challenge for us to understand it. Yeah. Because we've had experience listening to a ton of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, yep, that's new. I hear what's special. I hear what's new. I'll put that in this bucket. Um, and now I don't care. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care anymore. I'm, I'm moving on. What's there's a flip side to this. We, we were like, we were talking about samples and like how we get bogged down by our in massive library, not massive library. Because we do, but we do also have a we do have library. a library for massive, um, but the, the massive, like vast folders that we have of sounds, um, it's it it can be useful to have samples for reference. So, like, I'll give an example. We used to have a couple of sample packs with drums because we always struggled with drums because we'd always get into like the Ableton or Logic and the like the the stock drums are kind of basic they were our basic and we did not understand how to make them better yeah we like especially with electronic music you don't want a hokey like midi studio drum kit as like your electronic drums yeah. right so you you play with like the electronic kit but then even that's like it's well i want it to be like bigger and like dancier and so we went down the road of we would we had a small a small library very small library of drum samples that we um acquired that we used for a lot of our stuff at the time and it actually like that's kind of that's kind of where we sat for a little bit until we started downloading like vengeance like um drum kits right mm-hmm. and i remember when we when we when we got these new samples it was like the the kicks were so punchy and rad and we redid all of our music yeah. with new drums because they were so much better than our old drums but we had not even considered how drums could sound until we listened to the drums in this pack, this pack. Yeah. So it's like, I guess where, where I'm going with this is like, if you don't, if you don't have any inspiration for what, what sound you're going for, it can be useful to 
to get some of these like professionally uh, produced, yeah, and curated like sample packs of a certain genre that you're like trying to kind of go for, just to just to li- not not only use them but also listen to how they are made. And now we have all those samples still, and when you start to understand what they are, you're like, oh, that's just a freaking bit crushed snare that has a ton of reverb on it that has its side chain. So it go, you know, it kind of has this like effect on it. Yeah. And it's like, I could make that, but you wouldn't think to make that unless you heard it first. Totally. Alone, isolated, not in a song, just like, that's just a kick. That's got a, a, like a fucking fat sub to it. Yeah. You know, like our layered, yeah, our layered kick, and then with a with a sub kick with the tone, and then a high kick that's high pass filtered, and then a tiny bit of slap reverb or something yeah. goofy like that. And and you're right when it's when it's in context of a song, it doesn't matter because if you hear it and it sounds good, everything's working and you like it. Like, you know, it that's kind of. Uh, <clears throat> It's not super, it's kind of subjective, but you hear it, sounds good. They have good drums, they have good drums in their track. They have good samples. You make that assumption, then you hear the sample and you're like, that's the sim- simplest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the sample, the first sample pack that we paid for was Sonic Specialists uh, Urban Electro. Yeah, we bought that in a long time ago. It's probably 2009. 11? 2010. We released from satellites in 2010. Yeah, it was probably <clears throat> 2010 or 2011. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So but but the value that I see in those is not only hearing the individual uh samples which is really valuable, but also hearing nowadays in my day, they didn't have this. <laughs> Nowadays, they'll put the demos of how they, the market, it's marketing. Mm-hmm. They'll put their, the songs that, that they produce that are the perfect dopeness. Yeah, and you can literally remake the demo just by plug, like dropping in all the samples the from sy- one The synth folder. demos. They could, they'll, <laughs> they'll throw in synth loops, and then it's like, holy shit, I can actually start to piece together what the concept is. So if you wanted to make uh, dance hall beats, they'll give you the samples, but they'll also give you loops, and then they'll give you synth loops and bass loops, guitar loops. They'll give you some vocal chops. They'll give you everything just to play around with. Then you understand more than just making your simple four-on-the-floor dance beat with dance hall samples. Now you're making dance hall beats with their samples, yeah. you know, cause it's not the same. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, that's what's I think is really special cause the, they actually introduce you into that genre. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like being able to take a song that already exists out in the world and be able to break it down into the, the smallest pieces to figure out how each part works. And that's the best way to like, that's the best way to learn is to, is to break things down into smaller and smaller pieces to where you can understand each piece and how it fits together in the whole composition. And then you can put it back together yourself with what you've learned from it. Exactly. And that's kind of what, what we, we, that's kind of the level we're at now where it's like, I can't find the perfect kick, but I can take this kick and make it sound how I want because I know how the kick should sound. Yeah. It's the equivalent of when we were kids, we all, I think if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you are like us. And, uh, I think people like us when we were kids used to take random things apart. Not all the time, but it probably at least once you take apart something, a, radio a remote something. control, yeah. a radio, 
a VCR, a microwave. Um, there's that. That's, that's <laughs> dangerous. There's pieces in there that you could fuck yourself up with. Just so you know. Yeah, microwaves. A, that's a shady one. But the point of that is that you take it apart when we we're kids, and you get to the point where you are no longer learning from the pieces that you're seeing because they're so complex. Like is like even in a radio. The components don't make sense unless you, somebody informs you of what they are doing. Yeah. Um, and that that is what <clears throat> is so great about electronic music or, or produced music is that you can take the presets and just mess around and there's YouTube where you can learn. Yeah, I mean, even now, kids can probably take apart a... Radio and then pull up a YouTube thing and learn whatever all of like, it means. Oh, this is the speaker. But back in our days, we were just stuck with a broken radio yeah, and that you, you lose, couldn't even put back together. You lose all the screws <laughs> yeah. and you can't figure out how yeah. one piece fit into a certain spot. And exactly. Then, like, you get it put back together and like it just doesn't close properly because something's it, not... And it doesn't work. Or it something. doesn't work. But, but like you literally, when we were kids, you couldn't learn... What those pieces did, what what capacitors would do, like what does this all do? I don't know. Even yeah. computers, we, I, like I used to build my own PCs, not as a gamer, just as a desperate fucking computer yeah, dude. Really. <laughs> I need. I'd find RAM on the street and put it in my computer because it was better than the shit yeah, I have. This will make it run faster, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> it's like I didn't know what all the components on a motherboard were doing. Yeah, and I just knew where to put them. I just kind of knew where to put some stuff, but now it's like you—the whole world is there to to inform you. You don't need to go and get thirty sample packs. You don't need to go and buy twenty cents. All you need to do is sit down and and watch some YouTube videos and learn about your system, learn about your platform, your your uh, interface, your DAW. Yeah, and that like that's it. If we would have done, we probably could have done this. But when you're when you're young, you don't think about the wisest thing to do. You think about the thing that's going to make it easiest for you. Yeah, you're impatient. You're impatient. You're like, I want, I want to make successful music now. So how can I, how can I get there without learning? And that's why there's so many. That's why there's so much lame, rip off boring stuff it's because the fastest way to make hit music is to rip off hit music and it's like that's lame (laughs) because it's like think about if if hansen came out with umbop today okay number one i don't know how well that would do but let's say it did really well and then some bozo kids like well i want to make hit music so and I don't know really how, so I'm going to listen to Umbop remake it, different, a little different. Yeah, I'm going to change the lyrics from Umbop to <laughs> something close, barely different. It doesn't really matter, but it, like it just is lame. Yeah, it's just lame. Um, but I, yeah. at the same time, it depends on where you go from there because that's how we started. We started not rip, not directly ripping people off, but we started with no knowledge, and we learned along the and way. And only inspiration, and only inspiration, and <laughs> only impatience and drive to be good. Yeah, which is that says something. As long as you're doing it, and as long as the the follow through is you actually learning what you're doing, which we're still doing. Yeah. But as long as as long as the the goal is not to become huge, the goal is to learn how to be a good musician. But and that's a personal goal. Becoming huge is a is a uh, universal type of expansion goal. I want everyone to know my name. I want every. I, you're wishing upon everyone else to experience you. That's stupid. You should. You need your goals should be about you. Not about them. Yeah. It's like, I want to know how to do all this stuff. Then then it lets your mind be the creative part. 
that puts together the cool stuff that then your technical side on the keyboard because we're all working on keyboards your keyboard typing in your fucking masterpiece in logic without even a thought because all your your goal was to better yourself and and that's like a that's like a fucking life lesson yeah. The more you invest in yourself and wanting to yourself to know more about anything, the better opportunities you'll have across the board. Yeah. I don't know how we we were we had a lot we've had a lot of opportunities that I don't understand how we got them, and I think it's just brute force and charisma and enthusiasm and follow through and follow through. We did everything wholeheartedly and. And that literally, we did our the phys, physically, we did the best we could. Yeah. And I think that people respond to that because you're you show up, you you try, you we tried, <laughs> we tried our best. Uh, and I think that people romanticize the music industry and the creative industry in general. That's like. <clears throat> you, you like professional musicians it's like oh i want to be a professional musician i get to play music and stuff but you got to think about it like the world is the world and the people are people and when at your job wherever you're at if you're listening to this you probably have that dude in the office shows up late doesn't know what he's doing asks you every question because you do know what you're doing maybe i hope because I have faith in you. If, if, um, yeah, and if you don't know that person, you're the person. <laughs> if you don't, if you can't point out that person, you are that person. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's that person that, that's just not doing their part. And I, in the music industry, I know that there are bands and there are groups and there are individuals that just don't do their part. Yeah. And so it's like it's the same as any office job. There's some asshole. It's living the life playing bass for some band. For some band. I'm just kidding. He's probably not. He's probably a drummer. Um, but It's always the drummer. Uh, that's that like they're taking it for granted because they're not, it's just not that interesting. Yeah. They, they're cutting corners. They don't, don't care. It's like it's everyone romanticizes the concept of that lifestyle, but it's not. It's the same as any other job. Yeah. I think it comes. It comes from people idolize musicians for their skill. Sure. And so, but no, you don't think it's. I, I think it's more than skill. I think it's because culture has put them on a pedestal. That's of, true. Of celebrity. That's true. But the really good people shine brightest. You know, like they're they're kind of the ones that get a lot of attention because of their skill. I mean, obviously, there's probably people that are famous or whatever that aren't as skilled as maybe they should be for that level of fame. But the, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, people look up to musicians for what they do, whether they're skilled or not, like, based on culture and based on all that stuff. Um, and so that that always seems appealing to be like, well, I want to do that. I want to be the I want to be the one that's idolized. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is there you know uh, this is so, total side tangent that might just be my derby brain, but uh, so mu- music is a craft that you pay you to pay to support and go see live. Okay. Yeah. It's and there it's a craft like it's, it's a is a true practice and craft, and then. You pay to take home a recording of what they did. Okay? Like, think about a woodworker. You For a woodworker, you pay for what they did. And you keep what they did. Which is like a table or a chair. Yeah. Like, musicians, you pay to... You pay... You, like, a woodworker, you're not going to pay to go see them. Unless it's at some conference or something. But... Then maybe that maybe that's the same, but uh, you you for musicians you're paying to to experience it 
right in front of me. Like it's like a woodworker's making a chair. Oh, I'm gonna pay to go see. But you that. don't get the chair, <laughs> and you don't get the chair. But you have to pay extra for the chair if you want it. Yeah, there will be <laughs> chairs available. You get to watch. You get to watch him make a chair, and you paid for that. But if you want the chair, you have to pay twenty five bucks. Even even extra. movies. Movies are kind of similar, but the. The actors are not the ones that are per actually performing at the theater. It is yeah. the marketing that is performing. They performed when they recorded the movie. Then all this production, they edit it. The editors are on scene, behind the scenes, and, and then they present it. And then, uh, and then you watch the movie in the theater. The actors don't know that you're, any, that you're there. Yeah, it's they've like, already been paid. They've already the yeah. thing. And then you can also buy the movie later. Yeah. So it's kind of similar, but not the same. But there's something interesting about paying to see it, but then you leave and you don't get it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you already it's got it. You paid you paid to get it. It's it's all, it's almost like it. it's like theater. Yeah. You pay to go see theater, but you don't you don't get even a copy. You don't even have the option to buy a copy of the theater performance. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. It's it's there's something goofy and funny there. Well, it's you're paying for experience. That's what the value is. It's like, I want to have this cool experience. And music is cool. Music's fun. Yeah. And seeing a band live is usually better than listening to the album. Well, one, there's no takes. This is it. Yeah. Sometimes that's not true, though. Sometimes it's way better listening to the album than actually that's true. listening to the band. Well, and that's, that's the key is like, as a, as a musician, um, I think that you need to understand your, your people. And if, if your people are not at your shows and they want, but they do expect high uh, production value, then put your, put your efforts into your album, release it, go play your shows. But for us, we've found that like we are, are a lot of, as we've mentioned in previous episodes, our, a lot of our energy is, is put into the, the performance not as if it's a it's a really calculated perfect play, yeah. Because it's often not exactly how it is on the album, or exactly yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> it's often or, not. Or with all the instruments and. But we, yeah, we want. Yeah, that'd be crazy. We have a lot of instruments on our recordings, and we cannot well, play them all. Yeah. Well, I was saying, like, when our backtrack fails, and we have to literally play the song with nothing. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> um, but we put a lot of emphasis into the show because we want it to feel right yeah whether or not it matches our album or whether or not we play all the instruments that are playing or whether or not uh, we play it right it's like that doesn't matter we want the energy and the fun of our previous shows that we've played to to be up there and and be memorable and then the album is the uh validation of the time we've put into it because yeah. then you buy our album, you hear it, and you're like, "That is, that's what the song I heard." Except for this one was played right, <laughs> you know. With our, all and, the instruments, yeah, but all the instruments are there, and it didn't crash, and uh, and it sounds like. They, and, I, and I don't have to look at their dumb faces. <laughs> yeah, that's a, the, that's our most common feedback. Your faces are dumb. <laughs> yeah, your fa- your faces, your music is all right. But your faces are dumb. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so that was a tangent. Um, but so we, we'll, we'll, we're going to wrap this up. There, there's a balance. There's a balance between having what you need to learn and having more than you need, which can get in the way. Yeah. So... If you are a music producer who uses samples, great. There's a lot you can learn from using samples. There's a lot that you can use. There's a lot that you can do with samples. Yeah, you, we know we know better than most. Uh, but we, I, I think that I, I'd love to hear what sample packs or what samples you use exclusively, especially like or plugins or whatever. Yeah. Feel free to, if you're on Anchor, send us a voice message. But um, also, I want to drop the 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 uh, 
fact that me and Trey are trying to establish some sort of resource library to share. And uh, we talked a little bit about that riser um, and impact synth preset that we made. If you're interested in that, let us know. Because we, if you are, we will put that into a little zip file and we'll post it for you. Um, but not until somebody lets us know. Uh, so, yeah, hit us up about that. But we would love to hear what you're using and what you, if you found the perfect pack, the perfect preset pack or, or synth pack. Something you use all the time. Yes, that you use all the time and it fulfills your needs. Um, We'd love to hear that. Because it's very easy. It's very easy to just go too far and get too much and waste too much time. And then you've wasted the time that you had to make something. On managing your files. Or, yeah, finding files, downloading files, managing files. And then by the time you're like you're finally ready to make something you're out of time. Yeah. We've done that. We still have files to transfer because Mm -hmm. we run out of time. I still have to find, I, I have a whole folder of samples that I still have to, I have to figure out where I put those. They're somewhere. They are all, there's always something somewhere, (laughs) but luckily recently you've got into adjusting some stuff with stock setting yeah it's i i feel like i'm i'm learning more now that we've been using samples for so long i'm learning more about like the stock stuff yeah just loading that up and being like hmm i know how this should work and then tweaking it to make it work i don't know it only took 10 years. Yeah. And it's not always the cleanest, <clears throat> but you could always just bounce it as an audio file and you can make a sample out of totally. it. Totally. It does irritate me that and we do that. It does irritate me that that alchemy in particular, that the way that their synth it's their synthesis uh app, visual application set up is not really for it's not it doesn't feel like it's made for really making synthesis synthesizing sounds yeah it's made for taking their presets and adjusting them just a little bit even in their advanced mode it's like kind of ridiculous the cv cv80 is that what it is oh that one's a nightmare but (laughs) it's really fun to figure out it's that that is one of the most complex synths that and it the time every knob it's a a emulated retro 80s synth yeah so it's an emulator of like a switch and knob synthesizer. And but there's so many tiny knobs. Yeah. And so and like for us to find just the little we'd hear one weird resonant sound and we we have to hunt through you have this to, thing you have for to touch every <laughs> slider and knob to figure out what the what's and, happening. And 100% of the time it is the last knob you turn that was the one that was making that sound. <laughs> Out of all of them you'll touch all 100% of the knobs and the last one will be the one that you needed to touch <laughs> cuz that's how life works. That's it. The concept of the abundant life from musicians and, and producers is that you have what you need to do what you want to do. And you might not feel like you have what you need, but we're telling you to get in the mindset of taking what you have and making it work. Because if you can do that, you're going to go a lot further. The, the, anything extra is just the freaking icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, you're, you're doing your due diligence to understand how it works yeah. so that you can repeat, you can repeat it. Exactly. And, it. and that expands your, the, your value as a producer. Yeah. And th- that is, tr- will translate to any, uh, DAW or synth or even like hardware. So it's kind of, uh, it's, it's a win-win, a win-win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any last remarks? Who who all were we sponsored by tonight? Squarespace. And we got... Audible. Audible. <laughs> I think that was it. 
We're, we'll toss in Massive. We're sponsored by Massive. Massive. And, uh, uh, and Sonic Specialists, our first <laughs> sample pack. We'll throw in Vengeance Sound. We're sponsored by them all. So much money just so, flowing in over here. So all those, all those brands, if you want to send us a check, that's great. And if you don't know those brands, you can go check them out. <laughs> See, we're repping. Uh, but so this is episode 15. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope that you found this interesting. And if you did, why don't you send us a voice message on Anchor or a, uh, a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Our social information is in our description. Um, we hope you had a good Thanksgiving last week. And we'll be back next week with something new. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Uh, this is off the record, right?